0: And welcome, friends, to the Generations broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host, with you today, and we're coming back to American history, such an important part of world history, really, as America did represent something of the strongest Christian influence in the world for quite a period of time. Thanks to the Puritans and pilgrims that came to this country and the influence of the Great Awakening, the influence of Patrick Henry, Samuel Adams, some of the key Christian figures that formed the nation in the 1770s, But then immediately, of course, the enemy uh, jumps in and begins to undermine a Christian world-and-life view. In the latter part of the 1700s into the 1800s, the French Revolution having a huge influence upon America at the turn of the 19th century. The 1840s, 1850s, 1860s was the age of revolution, throwing off the old order, bringing on a new order, not just for the United States, but also for Europe. It was the age of big government, it was the age of godlessness, it was the age of tyranny descending upon all mankind all over the world, and of course now we inherit uh, this tyranny today. Remember that governments would never take more than 3 to 4 to 5 percent of the people's income until the 1800s, and now some 60 to 70 percent of the GNI, the gross national income, turned over to massive, massive, massive tyrannical governments that would control every part of life. Okay, so that's the history of the last 150 years or so. Now, what we want as Christians, and I think everybody wants this, is an accurate view of history. Uh, We live in a world of good and evil, right and wrong. Of course, everybody's a sinner, and uh, there are some who are more humble than others, some who are more godly than others. And there are good and bad kings, as there were good and bad presidents and so forth. So we want to define this, of course, by God's law. Of course, the way that the histories run is that we define what is good and evil by Marx's law, by Karl Marx or somebody else, but but not for Christians. Christians say, no, 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 we're going to define what's good and evil and what's right and wrong by the law of God. Uh, Now, what happened in the 19th century was effectively revolution, beginning with the French Revolution of the 1780s. And uh, and Germany had its Karl Marx, France had its Napoleon, and, of course, America had Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was the only president who was not a Christian, or at least was not affiliated with any Christian church, and that I think is pretty well known by historians, and uh, I think most people understand that. Uh, There were some theories that somehow he might have been converted shortly before his assassination, uh, but uh, he was not affiliated with the Christian Church, only president that you could say that of. Uh, It was also the age of witchcraft in the United States, so something to remember. uh, The 1840s, 1850s, 1860s gets into a period of witchcraft, very bad time for America. Abraham Lincoln invited seances into the White House along with Franklin Pierce, and we've talked about this over a number of years as part of this broadcast. And by the way, our uh, 10th grade American History course is America in God's Providence, where we bring a distinctively Christian view into history. But today we're going to focus in upon Lincoln's quest for empire. Uh, That's the title of a new film that was just produced by david and esther seppi uh and uh, joining me now on the program is uh, david seppi and uh lance seppi also his son uh who contributed to uh this uh, this film this documentary film lincoln's quest for empire it's available by the way at questforempire.com or lincolnsempire.com uh well david uh, lance welcome to generations it's good to have you here with us
1: yeah good good morning kevin it's yeah. great to be on the program Yes, Kevin, thank you for having us. Yeah.
0: Uh, Talk a little bit about what motivated you to put this uh, DVD together. It features uh, some very important uh, historians, uh, Douglas Wilson, Joe Moorcraft, Lance Seppi, which is uh, one of our guests, Steve Wilkins, of course and Bill Potter. Bill Potter plays a big part in this uh, this DVD, so I mean, it's it's really a, a very professionally produced uh, DVD, and some of the most important uh, Christian historians, now alive, featured on this DVD. But why did you do this? So let's start with that. Uh, what, what motivated y'all to, to get this together?
1: We love activism and real history, yeah. and uh, yeah. anybody that knows uh, the history of what happened during that war and that terrible time... Uh, it it burns in your chest, and uh, that's why I think it's great for homeschooling for young men and young young ladies mm. uh, because they want to change the world, you know. And uh, so it's a thrilling deal. Yeah. Morcraft, uh, Steve Wilkins was uh, great Joe Morcraft, and uh, John Dwyer were, were people who were greatly helped us over a period of about five years.
2: And all of this. We live in this age of revolution where they're completely rewriting our history. Yeah. Karl Marx said the first yeah. battle is the rewriting of history, and that's what we see. And so we are watching, you know, South Carolina getting rid of the monuments and the flag and tearing down. They took out Monument Avenue, the, all the monuments, Lee and Jackson and Stewart, uh, men who were godly men who who lived. Uh, lives of godliness and above reproach. I mean, Stonewall Jackson had a Sunday school class mm-hmm. that, as you showed, that was his passion, was educating these these uh, young students in the Word of God. And what happened, what is going on where we live in this revolutionary time where they're, they're just spraying graffiti over everything and destroying yeah. every name and street yeah. and city? Yeah. And uh, and so we live in, in a time of revolution, and so we thought we should go back to the early history and say, see what happened. What happened in America? How do we go from George Washington to now? And mm-hmm. we catch ourselves in the midst of a revolution in 1861 yes. led by Abraham Lincoln. That's, exactly, That's so exactly
0: so, that there was a significant revolution of, of everything, of thought, of the civil government, eventually of education. Uh, our entire social system has been turned on its head, and all of that gets started in the 19th century. So, uh, so talk about the, the roots of this. Maybe let's begin there, 1840s, 1850s, 1860s. Uh, this is a period of revolution, and it's coming into the United States, isn't it?
1: The French Revolution came
2: to America. That's the way we see it. Yeah. So let me let me say this. So you have Abraham Lincoln. He comes on the scene in the 1840s, and what does he say? He says, "Let it become the political religion of the nation." So he's moving us away from Jesus Christ, and he's violating the First Amendment, uh, First Commandment, where he's saying we need the state to be God. This is a man who would go into the church just to mimic and. And, uh, and mock the pastors. In fact, when he ran for office in 1860, uh, he only had, I think, maybe one out of like 25 uh, pastors in Springfield to support him. So overwhelmingly, Christians would not support the atheist Abraham Lincoln. And what was Lincoln all about? Well, he was a Whig from Illinois, and he believed in big government. This is a man who lived and thought and dreamed empire. Mm-hmm. And so, how did we get to the American Empire? It was through this man Abraham Lincoln where he, in the legislature he bankrupted illinois with his uh with his boondoggle spending plans, and he's a Whig so he 's a big spender, and he made a lot of connections with big money and big finance. That were able to catapult him into the white house
0: and there's some influence on the part of the europeans so think about the red Rep- republicans and the revolutionaries coming out of germany at the time so speak a little bit to that there was also some influence about from europe
2: one, about one fourth of the uh, union army were foreigners when he North. came to the white house he was brought in by the turner militia well who are the turner militia mm-hmm. well these are Communist revolutionaries from Europe. You're absolutely right, Kevin. We had an amazing invasion of foreigners not born in this country that were communists. Not just people, not people just coming here because they wanted a better life and wanted to um, Mm -hmm. build a Christian society like the pilgrims and the Puritans and those waves. This was a uh, like Joseph Wedemeyer, who Karl Marx called my friend Joseph Wedemeyer. Who was Joseph Wedemeyer? Well, he was a brigadier general, and he also is one of the first in American history to print copies of the Communist Manifesto. Mm. And Karl Marx called him my friend Joseph Wedemeyer, and he was a general in the Union Army. Uh, mm. There was another name, Willick, Willock, uh, Karl Marx said, has a communist heart. He's a Union general. So these men come over here, and there were about 70 of these officers that came in and they were enthusiastic of joining the Union and one thing we bring out in our film is Charles A. Dana. Dana is Karl Marx's really good friend in Europe and um, Karl Marx recommends to Horace Greeley, hey hire Dana! Horace Greeley recommends Dana to Abraham Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln makes Dana his assistant secretary of war and Dana is described by Lincoln as the eyes of my administration. So, wow, this is a big news if mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln's eyes of his administration is this communist who's a good friend of Karl Marx.
0: Well, I think there's you know perspectives that uh, Abraham Lincoln is committed to abolishing slavery. These two worldviews that are sort of fighting it out between each other, uh, whether it was his intent to obliterate slavery in the South or to to centralize a, a powerful central government and and form a big socialist Marxist form of government in the United States of America and uh, was it both operating in his mind or was one more important than the other?
2: Yeah that's a great question So with with uh, with Lincoln did not believe in Uh, Abolishing slavery, he just believed in reducing slavery from spreading, and so, so like he didn't want it to spread out into the east or out into the west because that's where he would get lose more votes. But his real dedication was, and this is so important to all the homeschool dads out there, is that Lincoln believed that if we could remove every black person from North America. In his words would be a glorious consummation so he served as uh, head of the American uh, colonization project which was to export all blacks out of the United States so he really didn't care like when he ran for office in 1860 he did not in in his first inaugural address even once he got elected he he says over and over again look back at what I say I am not uh, against slavery I'm just against it spreading out to the West I'm, and because I don't want it to actually interfere with white labor, he said, I want the jobs for free white labor. So his commitment is to big government, big spending on his holy crusade, and he uses, he toys with the, the slavery issue as a way to manipulate his audience. But his commitment is to revolution in America, and, and, uh, and that he would not negotiate on
0: now was he successful i mean the theme of this dvd is that lincoln had a quest for empire uh, was he successful in that endeavor
1: Warcraft uh, we we're talking about the church uh told us to focus on what happened to the church during the war he said because nobody has ever done it before so uh, that's what we did we our ears were perked up as we uh you know went through and did research and uh, through the uh, years <laughs> and uh and it was quite amazing the one thing that's amazing is that the the rapid puritan collapse uh, the the coming of the uh, unitarianism the postmillennialism of the puritans was adopted by the uh, unbelievers they you know to renew the world for christ but not for christ just to renew the world to perfect it so human perfection in utopia was the goal of uh, people like ralph waldo emerson Uh, Emerson spoke 1,500 times in the north across the northern uh, New England states, and uh, there were others that were doing this with feverish passion. And As a result, uh, an odd phenomenon happened, the Burnt Over District, where uh, all kinds of movements came through that uh, wanted to perfect the world and perfect the people. Um, they wanted to get rid of the Catholic Church, liquor, tobacco, Masonic order, meat eating, marriage. Uh, it just went wild, and so the the North was uh, grew up all these cults. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Unitarianism, Transcendentalism, mm-hmm. Deism, mm-hmm. Uh, Humanism in general. There, uh, uh, Harvard in 1805 became Unitarian. Right, booted out the right. president and. Uh, I got that from uh, your book on mm-hmm. Epoch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that happened. It was very unfortunate. You can tell that the North had given up on the Scripture, strict interpretation of the Scripture, and the South held, held fast to it. The South, uh, the South had five towering pastors, preachers, uh, R.L. Dabney, uh, James Henley Thornwell, uh, B.M. Palmer, uh, John J. Girardot uh, and uh, Daniel Baker, uh, Dr. Morcret said everywhere Daniel Baker went, revival broke out, and, and what he did was an evangelist. He went to the villages. And the South was a huge area, and and just spotted with villages here and there and farmers out way out, you know, and they'd come into church, but uh, he'd come in and and blast him with, <laughs> with. Uh, marvelous presentation of the gospel mm-hmm. and the blood of Christ and the forgiveness mm-hmm. of sin.
0: And that kind of thing wasn't God. happening in the north because the north had uh, given way to uh, to apostasy, to unitarianism, the cults uh, <laughs> and I'd also say uh, a demonic spiritual presence had spread across New York State and affected the White House under Franklin Pierce and Abraham Lincoln. It was a very dark, dark time for the North in the 1850s and 1860s. Uh, but meantime, the agenda, the agenda was to build the humanist socialist empire. And they did it, didn't they?
2: They did. They did. Um, you mentioned Lincoln. Well, he was a frequent guest of a witch in, uh, in uh, New York City before he ever became a president. So he was hmm. a very anti-Christian. But did he succeed in the revolution? Absolutely. Um, Karl Marx was, wrote gleefully to his friend in uh, Frederick Engels. Karl Marx is in Europe. And he said, this is the beginning of a world-transforming revolutionary
0: movement. Speaking of wow. America. Was he, was he speaking of America?
2: Yes. He's talking about this time of the Lincoln administration is the beginning of a world-transforming revolutionary movement. And it did. Um, you asked, did the revolution succeed? Absolutely, it did. But how does a revolution succeed well what you do is you go in and totally obliterate all laws constitutional laws um freedom of speech freedom of the press well what happens under lincoln 300 newspapers closed down if you wanted to speak up you had to be in prison that was the only place in the in the uh, lincoln administration where you actually had a you could actually speak up because you were there was nothing else they could do just put you in prison Um, They confiscated the guns in the border states. They arrested the legislature of Maryland and Kentucky. They went door to door uh, trying to find the legislators and they did. They found almost every last one of them. Then new ones got elected and all of those went to prison. So it was the first time in American history where everyone that was elected went to prison. Hmm. Um, they confiscated the guns in the border states. They, uh, Lincoln split West Virginia in half with an executive order. He's the executive order president, basically the father of executive order. He um, arrested the legislature of Maryland and Kentucky. He um, suspended habeas corpus, and that puts 38,000 Northerners in prison. Then he puts the North under martial law. This is how you get to an American empire. Hmm. You have to completely crush freedom of speech, freedom of religion. He imprisoned uh, many, many pastors. He uh, shut down, well, they burned, the Union Army burned hundreds of churches, according to Tom DeLorenzo's book, The Real Lincoln. Um, This is how you get to the empire. You crush freedom of speech. Freedom of the Press, 300 newspapers closed down, their printing, printing presses smashed. Oh, he tried to arrest the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Roger B. Taney, because Taney said you can't suspend habeas corpus. That's left to the legislature. It's in the Constitution, but only the legislature can suspend it. Not the President, and he did that, but what's amazing is how did he start the Civil War? It's an amazing story. He sends four relief squadrons down to Fort Sumter and Fort Pickens. Now, he can't do that because the, right then, the U.S. government has entered into an armistice in the fall of 1860. An armistice is you don't do anything toward hostility. Well, what does Lincoln do? He says to uh, his general, he says, as Winfield Scott, he says, as soon as my inauguration is over, you send warships down there. Well, you can't do that because it's unconstitutional. But it was not, Lincoln did not want the Constitution to stand in his way. He told a story about being, about a captain of a ship, and he's praying to Mary, and he, he gets enraged because uh, their ship is, has a hole in it, and it's filling full of water, and he throws the Mary overboard, and the and its head gets stuck in the hole, and the water gets pumped out, and they go, oh, wow, we saved the ship. And what Lincoln said is, he said, I will do that with the U.S. Constitution. I will throw it overboard to save the country. But he was literally destroying the Constitution that people like Sam Adams, who said, we have this day restored the sovereign to whom alone men ought to be obedient. And from the rising to the setting of the sun, may his kingdom come. Well, Sam Adams was was excited and jubilant that we had founded a country of laws. And that we weren't going to be run over by by, by uh, unconstitutional edicts. But Lincoln's the opposite of Sam Adams. Lincoln lives and breathes empire. And how do you do it? You crush freedom and you crush freedom of speech.
0: What were the long-term, but, effects, of the long-term effects of all of this? Because I think, this. think that's the question. It's a, it's obviously, question, I mean, we obviously. came to a position where, you know, 60 to 70 percent of life is controlled by governments. And uh, that's up from 3 to 4 percent at the beginning of this republic uh or actually more like two to three percent so you know somehow the size of government has increased 30-fold but were you seeing that in the 1860s and perhaps early 1870s did they make a significant progress shortly after the civil war
2: oh absolutely you had the they had the first income tax in american history that's right you Uh had uh,
0: they went off the gold standard don't forget
2: you had the gold standard
0: government education
2: that's one thing i want to remember Lincoln nationalizes the railroad, that's right, where they literally yeah, go use eminent domain, they chase the Indians off. They said we're not going to let a few thieving, ragged Indians check and stop the progress of the railroad. see James J. Hill is a, an entrepreneur, he's trading with the Indians and he and he does the Great Northern Railroad, but not the federal government. They've got this boondoggle called the railroad, mm-hmm. and it is so corrupt yeah it is it right. is like they'll put they'll put the railroad tracks down in the snow and then in the winter, and then the summer, the snow melts and they have to rebuild them, but it was okay because it was federal money, but they nationalized the railroad, the banks, education, the first time in US history where the federal government jumped into education. And what did they say? They said we want to teach rebels children respect for national authority and thereby they'll love their country before their state. And so they wanted all national interests, all private interests to be kept in the in the keeping of the nation against state authority. And I believe that was John Sherman, uh, Sherman's brother, that said that. But you're absolutely right. The, uh, the, the uh, empire was, was uh, birthed then. And uh, so nationalized railroad income taxes, uh, they did the, 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 um, the banking acts that would put a 10 percent tax on state currencies. So now it has to all be federal currencies. So you see the centralization is all moving everything to Washington, D.C.
0: All right. So that's history. OK. And, and you can watch the full story on this in this uh, brand new documentary film, Lincoln's Quest for Empire. All right. So what, where do we go from here? Um, it's important to understand these things. I mean, learn your history or you will be bound to make the same mistakes over and over again. So it's important to know history. But uh, where do the students go from here?
1: Americans are, are under severe severe attack. There's a Marxist cultural revolution just taking our country apart, yeah, from it's true. school boards to cities to states. It's it's weaving its way in like a cancer. So uh, we need to honor the people with truth. And uh, I didn't intend to for the movie to be. We didn't intend the movie to be counter revolutionary, but that's what it. That's what the truth brings us for this
2: day we're in. Yeah. Yeah, One thing I want to mention is the police state that we're living into. We are living in today. That existed then. If you turned in your neighbor, you could get 50 percent of their of their property if they were found guilty. If you read through uh, Lincoln's Confiscation Acts, some of the things that people could do was falsely exalting the motives of the traitors. So basically, if you said maybe there is a right of secession, you could lose. 50% Fifty percent, or you would lose your property, and and uh, and the government would would take it. And so you were arrested for what you might do, for what you might say. And um, Lincoln said this. I think it's it's really just like the police state we live in today. Uh, but basically, what it said is if you were silent. When your country is discussed, if you're not hindered and arrested for treason against the United States, then you're sure to help the enemy. Much more if you speak ambiguously with buts and ifs and ands. So Lincoln was arresting people, and these are this comes from Lincoln's uh, original documents. Um, in, the, in the book, The Problem with Lincoln, Tom DeLorenzo talks about the things that you could lose your, your property over. And basically, they're arresting for you for what you might do. And, uh, and so we see that today, where we see the police state is more and more grasping uh, our freedoms. Yeah.
0: Well, friends, the, uh, the well, film is Lincoln's the, uh, Quest for is. Empire. You can get it at questforempire.com or lincolnsempire.com. And the producers are David and Esther Seppi and Lance Seppi, also part of the project uh, for this documentary. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us on this edition of Generations. I sure hope that we get an accurate view of history and we go back to original sources, as I know you did, uh, in order to bring out the original quotes and the perspectives of those that were revolutionizing human society, especially American society, in the 19th century. Well, this is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.